Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, now we'd like to bring in a good friend of the show, Mr. Gerard Martinez, everything USC football. Gerard, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Keith? I'm doing excellent, my man. It's great to have you on. Your first time being on the Transparent Truth, which is kind of a little bit of a shocker to me. I'm feeling a little ashamed of myself that we hadn't got you on before. Of course, I got my man Greg Biggins on the line. GB, what's good? What's good is it's Coach G is good. That no one knows USC football. That's why we call him the coach because he runs the show when it comes to you know who plays, who gets playing time. Coach G was the guy who said, "Hey, Sam Darnold, right now, let's get him in there." That was Coach G who did that. <laughs> From a, a recruiting standpoint, he knows it all. So it's it's awesome to have the the, the, the man himself, Gerard Martinez, Coach G. Thanks for joining us, my guy. I appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, the reason you haven't had to have me on the podcast because of you, GB. You cover it, man. You 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 hit all yeah. those boxes, so I don't need to come on the show. So a lot going on right now with USC football. I mean, forget you know Chris Steele, Brew McCoy. Um, <laughs> you know that was that was a beautiful thing. But let's just talk. You know, kind of moving forward, uh, a couple of big camps, uh, several commitments, uh, just. But eight official visitors kind of starting from uh, Bajan Robinson on Monday, going all the way up to the weekend. So let's back up, though, Coach. Let's, let's talk from last camp. Um, I want to say it was the first elite camp. I'm just going to call it the Kayla McCullough Show 
So we want to dig into that camp right there, and then we'll transition to the one that just happened earlier this week. We're recording on a Thursday, but this show is going to air on a Friday. So I believe that camp was on a Wednesday of this week and also last Wednesday, correct? So let's go last week. They've been doing the midweek camps. Yeah, they've been doing the midweek camps. And this is something that started... Uh, a few years ago, actually 2007 was the first elite camp that they have, which is invite only. And everybody knows the Rising Stars camps. The Rising Stars camps for many years were sort of the standard for elite national camps, you know, run by Pete Carroll, and they were bringing in kids from out of state. And that sort of now become really the elite camp where they're inviting, you know, 60 kids or so. And that's really a big deal. I mean, Greg and I always talk about some of these camps, you know, less is more sometimes because we really want to be able to watch these kids. We want to see them get maximum reps. You want to see them in different positions and doing different things and maximizing their versatility and athleticism. And so when you can get 60 kids at a camp, uh, that really allows you to kind of focus in on some of these players. So, you know, the past few years they've been doing it. The last year, there was the first time that they had two elite camps and they followed that this year with another two elite camps. The first camp, as you talked about, you know, Caleb McCullough is probably the guy that did himself the most good in terms of raising his stock with USC. He was a kid that we saw at the opening in Los Angeles, but again, you know, that, that's a big camp. You got 400, 500 kids. You got Justin Flo. You got all these guys that you're looking at, and when it's that early in the year, a lot of those guys you're looking at are the guys that already have that hype, and Caleb McCullough really didn't have a lot of hype at that point. He certainly didn't have a USC scholarship offer, so for us, you know, being USCfootball.com, we're kind of not necessarily focused on that guy when you got a bunch of other guys that already have offers, but he came into this camp, he was determined, he was obviously very focused on what he had to do, 6'2", 210 pounds from Pacifica High School up there in Oxnard, not really football central, you know, St. Bonaventure's kind of the power up there, but they haven't necessarily produced a bunch of big time guys in recent years, so he comes down there from the North Coast, and I mean, this kid was really good. I mean, you have the great prospects, and then you have the great performers at these type of camps. You have the guys that you look at, and they're just making play after play. But then you have the guys that also just, man, they check all those boxes in terms of physicality and just athleticism. I mean, you can kind of see both of those things with Caleb McCullough. He performed well. He did really well in space and one-on-ones. Against, uh, against the running backs, against the tight ends. And that's always hard in those camps. Again, you know, linebackers, it's a hard position to evaluate because it's such a physical position. And when you're looking at a camp, they're not really tackling anybody. There's not a f- lot of physicality. You're really watching the linebackers for their weaknesses because they're in space and they're playing against these 180-pound running backs and they're running these fake arrow routes and all these weird things that you'd never see in a game because you've got an actual offensive line and defensive line there. McCullough still looked really good. I mean, he's a guy that we have rated as a middle linebacker. I think he's got the length that he could even play outside linebacker if he needed to. He was kind of an epiphany a little bit in that camp. I mean, he really stood out. And it was a tough camp to stand out because you had a lot of really good players. Corey, uh, Corey Foreman, I almost say Corey Miner, I almost went back to Bishop Amont there, the Bishop Amonte's uh, GB. Uh, Corey Foreman, I think, was you know one of those guys that's a five-star. We have him rated as one of the top juniors nationally. He may be, arguably, the top junior nationally. He came in, was amazing. Really didn't have a lot of competition, though, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, USC's brought in some offensive linemen, 
some solid guys, but a lot of guys that need more physical development. And when you got a guy like Corey Foreman, who's you know six three, almost six four, two hundred forty pounds, and just his skill level and athleticism and quickness, he just pushed those guys aside. So there wasn't a lot to, to, to evaluate from that standpoint. But he's still one of those guys that he he came up and, and met expectations, despite those expectations being really high. So, coach, I want to talk more about Caleb McCullough. You know, he was actually. Um, going back even before the Nike camp, I'm still gonna call it the Nike camp, even though it's not Nike anymore. It's <laughs> easy for me to say. Um, but he was he was tremendous at the Under Armour. I'm not sure if you're at the Under Armour deal at Mission Viejo, but he was really really good there. Made our top performers list. And then honestly, because there were so many bodies at the uh, the LA opening, I just didn't see him. Uh, didn't test that great. I saw his numbers, and I you know watched the tape. His tape is solid. But I think he's made a huge jump. And I didn't talk to a couple of college coaches, and they said he's way better than his tape. You know, just his spring has been exceptional. Obviously, offers have been kind of flooded in for him right before USC offered, UCLA offered, Arizona State has him, you know, as their top guy, a huge priority for them. So um, USC, with the offer, um, I believe when he tweeted it out, he called it his dream school. Have you have you talked to Caleb or, or maybe even Chris Trevino. What, what is your gut sense right now? Where is USC, from a recruiting standpoint, at with Caleb at this time? You, you know, USC's in a good position. He talked about it being his dream offer. That's something you hear a lot with the local players. And sure. I think, you know, he's trying to sort things out a little bit because he's had so many offers here just in the past few weeks. And so, uh, you know, whether he's going to make an early decision or not, I, I don't get that vibe right now. But as the season gets closer, you see a lot of these kids. And I think this is really you know the impact uh, of social media not to derail the conversation into social media but a lot of these kids see other kids committing it's sort of like with the early signing period it beca- it's sort of a, a domino effect or a snowball effect where they start to see other kids other top kids making decisions and wanting to get their decision done before the season and that changes things with guys so there's always guys that you say okay you know he's, he's been to a few schools he, maybe he's taken a visit over the summer and he's a guy that didn't want to actually make an early decision but all of a sudden that changes because he's starting to focus on football people get in his ear and say hey wouldn't you rather focus on your senior season win a championship and not have to worry about recruiting and things change I think USC definitely put themselves in, in a good position it's a weird cycle for USC because they can't take a whole lot of prospects in the 2020 class they only have maybe 17 18 it's going to depend on little bit on that transfer porthole on how they're actually able to build the class up to where you can actually stack some of these positions. So obviously Justin Flo is a main priority for them. He's an inside linebacker. But as I say with Caleb McCullough, he's a guy that we we rated as a a Mike linebacker at this point. I I think athletically he could kind of play any of those positions. Uh, I think a little bit of growth spurt, he could probably play on the line and play more of a hybrid position. Uh, But certainly he could be a weak side guy. I was surprised by his athleticism, his agility in space. That's always the thing that you question about an inside guy. You know, how stiff is he? How does he break out of his transitions? Where is his eyes? He really was flawless and all that stuff. I mean, there were some, you know, some pass routes 40 yards downfield from the running backs, and he's chasing those guys. But, again, those are not really realistic in-game routes. So let's transition a little bit to that, you know, same camp. Um, a couple offensive linemen. Uh, were offered and committed. I want to say what Joey Wright and Kyle Jurgens, they were both offered at that first camp on, you know, last Wednesday, correct? Correct, yeah. Uh, Kyle Jurgens, 
actually started out on the defensive line, and then they okay. brought him over uh, mid-camp to play offensive line. Now, he was offered for him as a defensive lineman, but seeing that move and seeing his body and seeing how he played at the camp, you kind of have to think that USC projects him more maybe as an offensive lineman as he puts on weight. He's in that 6'5", 6'6", 248, 250-pound range. And you and I talked about this. You know, after they got, you know, a couple commitments from guys that are undersized, and, and, and certainly with Jack Yari, you know, we go to that, and Jack actually hasn't showed up to any of the camps, but there's a lot of projection with Jack Yari in terms of, you know, his bloodlines and his size and sort of the specs that he has and lining that up with the NFL Combine and those guys that have been drafted in the first round and what they look like coming out of high school. And so you look at Jurgens and he's kind of sort of in that, in that frame, in that build, in that mold of being that 250-pound guy that moves well playing defensive line right now but actually moves over to the offensive line. The guy that might be sort of the franchise guy is probably Joey Wright, the big 6'6", 270-pound uh, offensive tackle from Reno, Nevada. He's a three-star but a guy that I know Blair Angulo likes a lot, a basketball player, a guy that really focused more on basketball. So he's still kind of getting his football IQ. He's still kind of getting his football feet. But you can see just the raw athleticism there. And he was probably the best offensive lineman, I think, from a prospect standpoint that USC has had at any of these camps. He was the only guy that really became somewhat of an obstacle for Corey Foreman at that first league camp. So, um yeah, no, me and Keith have talked quite a bit as well about just you have to project. Unfortunately, um, we just have a dearth of quality offensive linemen out west. It's, it's kind of been, you know, the Matt Khalils and the Tyron Smiths, like, where are they? I just not seen them. So I almost feel like you have to project. And, you know, our guy, Charles Power, has done a phenomenal job of doing the analytics and the research. And these guys who are getting drafted in the first few rounds in the NFL aren't these guys that were 330 in high school. They were 242 feet that, that can move and have feet and length. I would love to see Jurgens as an offensive tackle. Like, just forget the whole defensive end. Scrap that. Get him on. Coach, you're the coach. Tell them right now, Kyle Jurgens, offensive tackle. Forget the defensive end deal. And uh, Joey Wright, I know Coach Key likes him quite a bit as an offensive guard uh, down the line. And I love the basketball background. But stay with that camp. Again, that was two weeks ago. Not this past week, but two weeks ago. Who, who else were your top performers? You mentioned Kayla. You mentioned Corey Foreman. But who else jumped out for you? I think, you know, Sierra Wright is a guy that really, you know, he's blown up here in the month of May. I think he's gotten like half a dozen scholarship offers just in the last month. And he was a kid that not really high on the radar of guys you come in to watch, especially when you've got guys like Trayshawn Holden across from him, the big 6'4", 210-pound Alabama commit, who we've seen at multiple events now. And, I mean, talk about rising stars and, and stock. He's probably had his stock rise maybe as much as anybody. Uh, just being able to move to the West Coast, get more exposure. He's playing with Premium Sports LA. And they go down to Adidas and they win that championship, the Adidas championship uh, in Tampa. And then he's moved out here to Narbonne and we get to see him at a couple different events. And he's just kind of been just a man child. You know, he's just big, strong, fast receiver, good hands, consistent. But Sierra Wright, I think that's sort of where he, you know, he kind of circled that. Uh, and, and he knew that Trayshawn Holden was going to be a dude. And he lined up against him, and, and he actually gave him a little bit of trouble. He kind of got in underneath his routes. He was really making, I think, Holden fight those routes a lot more. And that's a kid that I, I think is a really good player and really smart. He seems to really see uh, the, the routes really well. He breaks on them well. Um, that's a kid that made, I think, a big jump. 
just for that 2021 class uh, for, for, for USC and just in general, I think obviously, you know, with the multiple scholarships he's got uh, and, and this, this month of May, he's definitely skyrocketed. Another guy that didn't get a scholarship but has been really good at USC, was really good at the passing tournament that they had when they came down with Lincoln High School from San Diego, a uh, sectional uh, finals team uh, last year. Keyshawn Smith. Uh, Keyshawn Smith, about six foot, 170 pounds, was a kid that came out and, and was just really good. I mean, really good performer, caught everything at that passing tournament, got his invite to the elite camp, came back and ended up being really good at that camp too. It's difficult, I think, for him and USC specifically, just because that is one position that I think USC has a bunch of quality options at. I think Treshawn uh, Holden is a guy that USC has a legitimate shot at. It's, just, it's crazy because he's committed to Alabama and you think how are you going to go against the brand you know how are you going to go against Alabama it doesn't get much better than Alabama but he likes LA he's originally from Orlando I think he likes the city I think his family likes the city so that's going to be an interesting um, battle there if, if USC can actually put some wins on the field next season but a guy like Keyshawn Smith who played really well it's just a tough position because you've got Gary Bryant you've got uh, LV Bunkley Shelton you've got a bunch of guys at that wide receiver position that even though USC is probably going to expand the rotation of receivers going to a little more spread offense you still got a bunch of guys in front of him but I'd say Keyshawn Smith was definitely a guy in that first camp and that uh, passing tournament that did himself a, a lot of good in terms of just getting exposure and you had other coaching staffs at that uh, at that camp too so you know he's able to get some looks from from other Pac-12 schools beautiful now let's move fast forward a week to just this past Wednesday obviously we saw a flurry of offers go out on uh, on Wednesday, uh, Middle Moss, the quarterback, uh, a guy I really like a lot, and then kind of a lot of sleeper type coach. Like there was literally like two or three guys who you know were tweeting out my first offer. Typically USC isn't the school, you know, that to give out the the first offer. It's you know these guys if they're USC caliber, uh, they've already had a, a you know a few. But break down the camp for me this past week. Um, you know we saw again Miller Moss. We saw a couple of young linemen uh, get these offers. Mason Murphy, a uh, kid who's now at J. Sarah, was at Riverside King a year ago. Um, I know Kobe Pepe got an offer. Uh, Caleb McCullough's uh, teammate, I'm going to kill the last name of Devin Apui. Um, sorry, Devin, if I just ruined your name. It, it had no harm done. I didn't mean to. But uh, break down the camp from this past week and, and just kind of compare it to, you know, this week compared to last week from a talent standpoint. Uh, who stood out? Yeah, I think the first camp probably had better quality at the very top uh, with the guys that actually performed on the field. Uh, this past Wednesday, the camp was a little bigger, actually. It was probably more like 150 kids. Um, so I think you had more quantity. I think you had the talent spread out more. Um, interestingly, the guy that probably was the best performer on both sides of the ball was LV Bunkley Shelton. Now we know LV as a really polished, really good possession receiver, a guy that's got great routes, great awareness, uh, very good football IQ. But he actually, about midway through the camp, ended up jumping over to the defensive back drills. And we've kind of seen him play a little defensive back for ground zero. He's played that. Yep. He played some safety. Yep. And, but we good. weren't expecting him to do that at the USC camp. And so he jumped over, did a little bit of drills, went back over to offense, and then did a little bit of the one-on-ones, then came back over to the defense and finished the camp off playing cornerback and safety. He ended up getting a really nice pick as a cornerback on the, the hatch playing boundary corner. And then they moved him 
him over to safety, and then a few reps later, he got an easy interception as a safety, just basically reading the play. And so that's a guy that, you know, both sides of the ball in that camp, I would say you could argue he was one of the top performers. He didn't do anything spectacular as a receiver. He kind of did what you expect. He ran a lot of underneath routes. He had a few good catches, but nothing amazing. They didn't stretch the field. They didn't necessarily use him in ways that you would question. Obviously, if you're looking at LV, you're saying, okay, what can he do outside of being a possession receiver? Can he stretch the field? Can he be a guy that gets separation downfield? They didn't really test him in that way. I think his athleticism and his versatility and his agility, all that was really displayed more as a defensive back. Um, One of the other guys, and and again, it's sort of a, a common theme that I think these camps are used now from an evaluation standpoint for the younger guys. They're sort of the elite camps that, you know, you want to recruit guys. And these camps, the way USC runs them, they run them more like a practice. So it's not really sort of like a camp where you get groups and they go through these different drills and everything. It's really more like a practice. And so the younger guys, I think they're really evaluating and throwing those offers out there just to get their foot in the door. I think that's where recruiting has changed over the last few years. You know, schools, you know, got like Oregon's out there. They just they offer a bunch of different kids. And, and they're, you know, those kids, some of them, they're going to continue to recruit. Some of them it's just like, hey, we just want to make a good first impression. I always liken it to, and anybody who's listening to the Peristyle podcast always make this analogy, it, it's sort of like a, a first date. You know, you bring flowers to a first date. And that doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean you're getting married. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're getting engaged. It just means, hey, I want to start things off nicely. And now college coaches want to start things off nicely with players that they might want to recruit and they think might be good players with an offer. And that's kind of how it starts. Back in the days when, when GB started and you had those 800 numbers I mean, Uh, shoot, you didn't offer anybody. It was like you only offered the guys that you really, really wanted to get committed. And even when I started, it was like that. Pete Carroll and that staff, they would sit there and go over, you know, who do we really want to recruit? Our offers are going to be based on the kids that we want to officially visit. And now it's, you know, there's offers that go off during the summer that sometimes I think they're just favors, you know, to some coaches to get other kids recruited. It's a different game, you know, with the offers nowadays. Um, but I'll, I'll for now evaluate later, right? <laughs> sort of, yeah, kind of. And I, and I think there was definitely some of that that went on with some of, some of the offers that, that had went out, you know, over these past two camps and even Rising Stars camp. But I tell you one kid that got an offer that USC will continue to recruit and he's going to be a national guy is Tariq Al-Quda. He is really, really good-looking kid. And, and that was a kid that came in sort of under the radar because he was at the passing tournament and he played running back for Premium Supreme. And so it, it, we kinda, I kind of noticed him. I go, hey, he's a pretty sizable running back there, but didn't necessarily do anything spectacular. So it kind of flew under the radar. And then he came back to the first elite camp, and he was again kind of going back and forth. And I sort of noticed him. And then he got a scholarship offer, and I didn't put two and two together who that was. But you got six foot, 205-pound linebacker from Narbonne, 2022 class. So a guy that's, you know, into the future, but again, elite camp, now he follows up. Now we kind of go, okay, he's the kid that got the scholarship offer. Let's sit back and watch him. And, I mean, his athleticism in space, I mean, he was probably the best of the bunch in terms of his agility and being able to run with the running backs in space. I mean, he's really agile. He's got great quickness, um, good size. I mean, you could see he's going to be a guy that's probably 6'1", 225 by the time he's a senior at least. Uh, so he can play multiple positions at linebacker. And uh, just, you know, was really impressed with watching him. Had a little trouble with the tight ends at times. They had a really they had a pretty solid group of tight ends, actually, at this last camp. And he's a young kid and 
he's not used to getting bodied up like that by some of these, you know, 6'4", 6'5", tight ends. Uh, one of the guys that USC offered from that group was Austin tight end Lake McCree, who was a Texas kid. He actually came in from uh, Austin, Texas, and, and like I said, it was a pretty solid group of tight ends. He's a 2021 kid. Um, you could see where USC's really trying to push and make an impact in Texas, which is difficult. You know, there's certainly some some criticism that they may get if they're not able to get some of these kids. You talked about the official visits this week. They got a bunch of Texans coming in. You know, I guess that's, that's sort of, you know, with Mike Jenks, who coached at Texas Tech under Cliff Kingsbury, who was an assistant, uh, associated head coach uh, before he went on to Bowling Green as a head coach. And then you've got Graham Harrell, who is the offensive coordinator from North Texas. Clay Helton spent a lot of time in Houston. So they're sort of trying to get into Texas with kids. Um, it's just a difficult state to obviously recruit because there's a lot of other schools that are recruiting Texas. Hey, Jim, before we move off, before we move off, I want to circle back to LV. Uh, Two-part question. Number one, I'm, I'm a recruiting question. Um, fascinated to see what's going to happen with him. Obviously, we, we all know USC is a dream school, and then it just it seemed like USC wasn't on him as hard. I actually saw him at the low cell Orlando scheduled tournament and I had my crystal ball at USC and he was wearing an Ohio State shirt and I was, yep. he was like I go hey man I'm hearing rumors he goes I'd change your crystal ball if I was you <laughs> do you think USC is now back on LV that's one and the second part of that question was you mentioned he was going back and forth between receiver and DB was, was he on his own doing that or did, were the USC coaches actually wanting to see him at corner and safety and, and moving forward is that potentially do they actually maybe see him uh, as more of an athlete slash receiver as opposed to just a receiver? Could they conceivably see him playing defensive back? That's a good question, and I haven't yet really followed up. My my inkling is yes. I think that that sort of – it was USC's direction because I know that he was moving back and forth, and he was doing it in the middle of the camp, and you just can't just do that. And I know he got some direction from Greg Burns, the defensive backs coach, who wanted to see him take specific reps and do specific things. So I think it was definitely at the direction of USC for him playing both ways. Um, he may have brought it up. Uh, you know, that's I don't know. I haven't followed up with him yet. I mean, he may have come up with the idea, hey, I'm going to come to the camp, but do you mind if I actually play some defensive back? I, I don't know if he made that suggestion or it was USC all on that said, hey, we want you to come down, but we want you to play both sides of the ball because he has played both sides of the ball uh, with seven on. Um, so, I mean, with him, it, it is interesting. And going to the recruiting aspect of it, yeah, I mean, we thought when he got that scholarship offer that that was kind of going to be a done deal for USC. And then I got the sense that, yeah, there was a little bit of we're not sure. I've heard some things academically, too, maybe that some schools are sort of waiting on him and seeing how he does in summer school. Um, there's there's different, I think, dynamics going on with his recruitment. I feel like with the performance that he put on at this camp – I, I get I get the sense that regardless of what's going on academically, it might be one of those things where USC really pushes hard now, and they say, look, this is a guy, and I know he's got some big fans on the coaching staff, but you know, it's one of those things. That, is everybody a big fan? Is, is there is there some conversation? Is there some conflict going on? You know, in the offices as to who they take, who they prioritize, how many receivers are they actually going to take, et cetera, et cetera, when they have other guys out there? Because again, if we're talking about receivers. That is the one position where USC has some really good options. Offensive line, 
they're, they're scrambling. They're just trying to get some bodies in there. They've missed, you know, two years really on offensive linemen, defensive linemen. You're, that's always a premium. There's positions where you, you try to take guys no matter what. Receiver is the one position where they can be a tad more picky. And I think that sort of is going to be a little bit of a dynamic as well. But I could see where USC pushes and says, you know what? That's a quality player. He came to the camp. He competed. He competed on both sides of the ball. Well, let's just get him in. Let's get him to to the academic uh, support. Get him on track. They've done that before with guys where you know they, 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 maybe there's great questions and they get them in and they just get them on track early and get them the right really advisement in terms of taking the right classes and making sure that they get qualified. And then you know you see how things play out during the season. But I think. With his performance, it's hard for me to believe that he doesn't create more fans within the whole coaching staff after that because I think he played well enough on both sides of the ball. Well, definitely a six-foot corner or six-foot defensive back is much more attractive than a six-foot wide receiver. You can find a six-foot wide receiver driving down Florence Avenue. Find a six-foot DB that can cover and pick the ball off and make plays, make winning plays. Uh, LV sounds like he's doing a great job there, Gerard. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. There is always that argument of, you know, position and career ceiling and where you are physically and how you fill in. And so that's, you know, potentially something that he's looking at as well. Like I said, he may have suggested to the coaching staff, hey, why don't you look at me as a corner? Uh, quarterback position for USC is a greater need. They did get Chris Steele. That helps out a lot in terms of depth, but they're still lacking a bit in terms of depth. So that's going to be a position that, you know, with locally, uh, they don't have as many options. And a guy like LV, that would be a great option to have. Hey, Gino, let's transition away, away from the camp. So let's keep, you got to follow up again. Yeah, I, I, t- I want to transition away to the camp a little bit. I want to go back to maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. Uh, Gerard, you made a comment via social media. You said C.J. Williams, about a mile away, the young 2022 prospect, was the best prospect at the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. And that, that tournament included guys like Malik Murphy. How do you really – is, is he the next coming – of a, of a guy like Bruce McCoy, like a national player, does he have that type of talent potential on outside? Yeah, I mean, he sort of kind of fits that. Maybe he's between a Kyle Ford and Bruce McCoy, sort of. He's he's a big kid already for the 2022 class, just size-wise. He plays both sides of the ball, and when we first saw him, he was a 7-on-7 tournament, so he played for Premium Supreme. You know, Malik James getting all those guys. He's already in that 22-22 class. He, he, had, he had him playing receiver, and he had him playing safety, and he was just making play after play. And just as a prospect, you had some guys like Keyshawn Smith, who I mentioned from Lincoln High School um, at that tournament, who, who performed really well. But when you're looking at the overall uh, profile of the player, you know, you see where the future is with C.J. Williams. And, and that's a guy, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of that next big star at modern day, he certainly got it written all over him. Now, the question is, is he really a true receiver? And this is not necessarily a question that we haven't asked about Brew McCoy and Kyle Ford. I mean, I saw Kyle Ford yesterday, came over and he said hi, and I'm looking at him and I'm going, God, man, you are huge. You, people are talking about Juju Smith. Hey, I saw Juju Smith in high school. Kyle Ford is a heck of a lot bigger than Juju Smith right now. He is, he, he, you would think, he, if you just guessed off the hoof and he walked up to you and you shook your hand, you would think he's an outside linebacker, for sure. 
So does Kyle Williams, you know, develop into that guy that becomes a bit of a tweener where we start to look at him and question, okay, is he a safety or is he a receiver? I think ultimately it comes down to speed and certainly vertical speed. If he stays in that 6-1, range and he doesn't get into 6-4, 6-5, you wonder, okay, does he have the separation downfield on the deeper routes to be that big-time receiver? Because Brew did. Brew is extremely quick, and he's actually, I think, faster. He's deceptively fast. When you actually watch him up close, you see him physically, and you kind of wonder, okay, is that guy going to be able to really be a fast receiver? But he gets off the line really well, has better feet even than a Juju Smith. Um, but there's still obviously a lot of talk like, hey, you know what, outside linebacker, Anthony Barr type, that would be the highest ceiling for him position-wise. I think C.J. Williams definitely sort of fits in that same mold of a guy that down the line, you know, he's going to be 200, probably 10, 215 pounds, 6'2". We're going to have that conversation about him. That's great stuff to you. Hey, let's transition a little bit away um, from the camps. Obviously, we have eight or seven or eight official visitors this week, starting with Bijan Robinson, who's a tremendous running back, a, a top three, top four running back nationally. He was on campus Monday to Wednesday, uh, tweeting out the photos, the Instagram. Looked like he was having a phenomenal time on the trip. And, you know, I know kind of going into the trip, a lot of a lot of the buzz was. Texas and Ohio State, but what are you hearing on him? USC, uh, obviously prioritizing him. How much ground did they make up? And uh, what is your kind of, you know, feeling on on where his recruitment's going right now? You know, they made up, I think, a lot of ground. I, I think USC was in the mix. I think they were definitely being considered. I think he likes the West Coast. I think he likes the West Coast more than some of the other big West Coast players that are looking at these SEC schools. You know, it's sort of look like that cue that we had back in the late 90s where, you know, USC was down. Uh, UCLA was, was, was playing well, but they were kind of coming off the Bob Toledo years, and you had a lot of top players leaving the state of California, guys like Lorenzo Booker and Kyle Wright and Kevin Burnett and, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Simon, DJ Williams. You, just, you had a plethora of really top guys that were all going back east to play football on it. You kind of get that feeling. You know, USC's down right now, and it feels like those players are really, you know, some of them, I think, want to go to USC. They want that opportunity to play at USC if USC's winning football games, if USC is a championship contender. But if they're not, and you go 5-7, and seven, guys like Elias Ricks and Justin Flo, they're going to leave. They're going to go. They're going to feel like, you know, I just I can't. I'm not going to get developed here. I'm going to go to the SEC, and I'm going to get to the NFL. And that's sort of the mentality right now. So um, I, I think with... You know, Bijan, he's one of those guys that does, I think, still want to stay on the West Coast. Regardless, I think USC and UCLA are his co-leaders right now, and USC really went all out. Like you kind of said with his Instagram stories, I mean, USC brought out three Heisman trophies. They had basically the whole team during PRPs all around him. The, the, the coach was there. They, they took the photo. He met Adam Sandler at, was it uh-huh. Nobu or Nabu? I don't know. I've never yeah. been there. I was corrected by Keely, your our, our videographer yesterday, because I, I said it wrong. I've never been there. Uh, but, I mean, he's, you know, he's getting L.A. treatment. And USC is really going all out. And I know it's a kid that – he likes recruiting a little bit. You know, he li- he wants to see the love. He wants to feel comfortable. And if it's UCLA versus USC, there's definitely two very different approaches to the recruiting process by those staffs. You know, they do things a lot differently. And I think if it's about recruiting and feeling the love, 
I think USC really made probably some good inroads with him, and they could they could be a leader. I don't know if I'm ready to get the crystal ball out yet, but I think that he's definitely feeling USC right now after this official visit. But I would love to see the West Coast kids stay home, but I, 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 I've always gotten kind of a Texas vibe with him, and I know he's going to Texas this weekend, and, you know, they've made him a priority even before Zach Evans decided that he wasn't going to cut out from Texas. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Hey, what about the other visitors this week, Coach? If you can, just kind of give us a preview uh, who else is coming on campus and anybody who could be on commitment watch. Yeah, I think uh, the other running back that's actually been in town is Ty Jordan, uh, uh, all-purpose back, three-star at a Mesquite, Texas, uh, you know, kind of in that 5'9", five, 5'10 five, range, a kid that, you know, you talk about B. John Robinson, B. John Robinson's a little more of that feature back, more of that kid that you would see go to USC in the Pete Carroll years and the Lane Kiffin years where they ran that pro-style offense. But now they're going a little more of a spread offense. And Mike Jenks, the running back coach, uh, talked a little bit about him before coming from Texas Tech, working uh, under Cliff Kingsbury. He did more with less. You know, he did more with guys that were completely off the radar, guys that, you know, nobody in Texas necessarily really wanted and made really good players out of utility backs. And so... It's a position that you kind of look at USC and you say, okay, you know, they're going to go after some of these big names. And certainly if they're able to win, let's say, 11 games of the season, if they're, if they're going to be there at the cusp of a Pac-12 championship, people are talking about them maybe being in the playoff, they're going to circle the, the wagons with some of these guys. I mean, it's going to happen. We, we all talk about this, oh, June and July, and we get all caught up in the recruiting rankings, and the fans certainly do. They, they want to know what's going on, and they feel like, oh, you know, we're not recruiting well, we're not doing this. And, and you start winning games, and, and you're at USC, things can change really quickly in November. And so they may circle the wagons to some of these big feature backs, but you also have to consider with the offense and the scheme that they have, a guy like Ty Jordan, who's a three-star, really fits what they do and what Graham Harrell and Mike Jenks have done in the past and been successful at. So, you know, Washington State, Texas Tech, these schools, they don't have these big-time five-star running backs to make those offenses work. And so Ty Jordan is really more in line with that. He already took an unofficial visit earlier in the spring for spring ball. The feeling has been USC has been his leader. You know, Bijan Robinson maybe could impact that. You know, if he turned around and commit and surprised everybody and ended up at USC, you know, I don't know how that would necessarily shift things, but I think if things stay on course, Ty, uh, Ty Jordan is definitely a guy that potentially could end up being a commit to USC. Um, they've had a big contingent of Texans have talked about that like earlier with the official visits and USC really trying to make a run in Texas. They had Chad Lindbergh, uh, who's a, a big offensive tackle from Texas. He's been on campus. That's a guy that, you know, it's hard to see him leaving Texas. Uh, Texas A&M is after him. Texas after him. A bunch of those schools, obviously, in the Big 12 are after him. Uh, kind of a surprise guy. USC offered him early, uh, but not necessarily a guy that USC has been in the conversation much for him in terms of commitment. Uh, Brennan Scott is another guy that they have out here, uh, a, a linebacker um, from, uh, I believe he's from Austin area. Uh, another big-time linebacker that, or actually, no, he's from Dallas uh, Bishop Dunes High School. Um, he's a four-star. Another Texas kid that they have out here. I, again, that that's going to be an interesting position because you've got Justin Flo there. I think they can take two linebackers in this class, but it's going to be one of those things where you're going to have to maybe at the end of the, the early signing period, you got to figure out, are we taking need? Or are we taking best player available? 
Um, so that's going to be a question. Uh, USC's also, what we hear, is going to have Chris Thompson Jr., uh, four-star safety out of Duncanville High School, on campus for an official visit this weekend. So, I mean, you've got, you've got a big group of, of Texans there. I, I was kind of, you know, making a joke yesterday. I was like, you know, I didn't see any of the coaching staff with cowboy hats on, but you figure, uh-huh. you know, if they you know put the cowboy hats on and had a little jingle jangle to their step, maybe that might help with the recruiting of Texas a little bit. So it's like all out-of-state guys coming in this weekend. No, no local players. I guess Bijan is probably the the West Coast guy. But any other West Coasters, or is it all just kind of go, going more national for this weekend? It seems to be more national. Uh, Joey Wright will take uh, his official visit this weekend as well. He's already a commit. Um, sure. So they, they, they'll, they'll have him and, and maybe – some other guys, it's kind of one of those things. USC likes to be a little stealth about how they do things. But, yeah, about eight official visitors in total for the week. Um, Killian Zier is a Juco kid, uh, the big offensive tackle, originally from Germany. is also um, going to be on campus, I believe, for an official visit. So technically a local guy, but a local guy with international flair. Dude, I, I kind of like him. I think uh... – that, that one you mentioned, Bijan, could be an SC-UCLA thing. It's not like UCLA is also kind of involved with him, and obviously you mentioned he's, he's visiting USC. How about a local battle over a kid from Germany? That, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that, you know, the JUCO route is always an interesting route because it's tough for, it's tough, I think, for both UCLA and USC to really recruit junior colleges hard. We see junior college kids come out of the NFL draft all the time. I mean, it's definitely something that actually back in the day, uh, Lane Kiffin actually put together a sort of a spreadsheet um, data built on how many guys actually had JUCO college experience that ended up in the draft over like the last 10 years, and they got real involved in trying to recruit JUCO players. But it was just tough. It's just academically with the 40% rule, you could, those kids have to have the right courses. They've got to have enough of them, and it always becomes a sticky situation, especially when you're trying to get them in early because you want them to be mid-year graduates. You want to get them in for spring ball. They only have a limited amount of eligibility left, so you want to get them on campus ASAP, and it tends to be a 50-50 thing. Usually if you, if you get four junior college kids uh, into your class, which that would be a lot for USC, you'll probably get two of those guys that actually get on campus early, and then two of them that you thought were going to be on campus early end up being guys that you can't get in until June because of some weird thing with their transcripts. Who needs USC football that job? Well, you got Gerard Martinez on the transcripts. Hey, Gerard, heck of a job, man. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you, man. That was a whole stomach full of USC football and information, camps, 717s, recruiting visits, unofficials, officials. It's going down in South Central L.A. this weekend. Hopefully, SC can pull in some commits to add to that 2020 USC recruiting class. Gerard Martinez, we appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, man, thank you for having me. Anytime you guys want me on, man, I'll, I'll be here. Thanks, G. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah. That sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, Gerard Martinez, USCfootball.com, one of the real gentlemen in the recruiting business. Thanks so much. Transparent Truth. Thank you. We will see you next week on Wednesday. This is the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith, your man, GB. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.